Welcome to the Contending for the Word podcast, a podcast devoted to helping inform, educate, equip, and warn people about false teachers, false movements, and unbiblical philosophies. Now join our host for today's episode and enjoy. Contentment is a topic that comes up in both Christianity and also in New Age and Word of Faith, which is basically the same thing. Because in New Age and Word of Faith, there's this constant striving to manifest, to attract, to decree and declare. And there's these lies that, okay, God wants you to be rich. And and of course, we know that God will provide, we know of God's provision, but we're going to be looking today at an extreme view from false teachings from Jesse DePlantis. If you've not watched him before, uh, buckle your seatbelts because he is an extreme example of lack of contentment and saying that uh, this is how you get happy through these things. And he says, God wants you to have these things. And he says, he's got lots of airplanes and a mansion. He boasts about them. So that, I saw that in the new age a lot too. I remember my my publisher, I'm not going to name her name, but she told me that nobody would listen to her unless she had a lot of things. And so she had this beautiful mansion and she had a Rolls Royce and and she had you know very successful career. And she kept saying that that's the only reason people listened to her. She said that if she was a homeless person on the street, no one would listen to her. So um, we're going to be talking today about the what does the Bible say about all that? Because you can have all those things like I did for a while in the New Age, and I was still seeking. I was not peaceful. Um, I was not content. But what does the Bible say about contentment? And to answer that question, we're going to be talking with our dear friend, and our brother in Christ, Dave Jenkins, today. He's the president and founder of Servants of Grace, and he's got a brand new book that I've endorsed that I highly recommend called Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime. And we'll have a link below into how you can order his book and how you can uh, visit his different pages. He's got quite a few different ministries and blogs and videos. So links are in the description below. Dave, thanks so much for joining us today and clearing up all these misconceptions about contentment. What does that mean, first of all? What does it mean to be content? You know, contentment um, is possible. Romans 5 very clearly says the first couple of verses, it, it's possible because of Jesus. It's because possible because of what he's done in his death, burial, and resurrection. So that's that's positionally how we get right with God, you know, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then uh very practically, the practical piece is being worked into our lives through the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is what Paul talks about in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, where he talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding. That peace is the very practical peace that we have because of what Christ has done for us. And that peace is being um, worked more and more into the life of every true born again Christian. Um, and raise your hand if you don't need that, you know, right. uh, if you're struggling with anxiety or fear or doubt or anxiety, or you're facing some suffering or whatever. And so contentment really rests um, on that understanding. It rests in the all sufficient grace of our prophet, priest, and king, Jesus Christ. And so what wonderful news that he um, not only saves us, but he gives us that peace 
um, in the midst of every season and everything that we have, uh, his, his grace is, as John Newton said, um, and that hymn, Amazing Grace, it truly is amazing. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a treasure. It's a delight. And so, yeah. That's, that's so comforting. And I love how you quoted Paul in, he's in, he's in jail when he's writing Philippians and he's teaching us that he's learned to live with a little, he's learned to live with a lot, and he's learned that it's, it's all God. So in the new age and in the, the word of faith and other false teachings, uh, it's all about trying to control your external circumstances to get happiness. In the new age, it's all about, you know, let's stay away from negativity, manifest your dreams, and uh, same with Word of Faith, as we'll hear Jesse DeFlanis talk about soon, uh, that if you can control the outside, then the inside takes care of itself. But that's the opposite of what the Bible teaches, isn't it? It is. It, it kind of flips itself on the head. It, it sounds appealing, um, you know, like we see with, um, you know, Satan in the desert with the temptation of Jesus. Well, uh, do you do you want to have food? Well, Jesus quotes um, and says, you know, his food is to do the will of God. And he says it is written, um, you know, four times there. You know, that is so important because we have to remember what God, what God has said and what God means. He has a clear meaning for everything that he said. And that meaning is given in his word. And that's why we need to, of course, read and study and meditate and memorize on the word. Because what this is going to do is it's going to help us to deal with um, distractions and suffering and anxiety and the, the Bible has a whole has a whole range of ways um, and and every way that you would look at that um, it all leads you amazingly to Jesus Christ as as not only our example but as the one who you know suffered and bled and died and rose and ascended um, and is soon returning. It all leads every single point that you could consider from every single angle. It all leads us back to Christ. But then that's that's the opposite of, of course, the word of faith and even the new apostolic reformation, which is all about, oh, well, I believe this, so I'm going to decree it, I'm going to declare it. And even in like the new age, as you know, that movement is all about outward things, outward declarations, words, and language, and some sort of, you know, magical formula incantation. But biblical Christianity is about a transformation of heart. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians, you know, 5, where, you know, we're to be reconciled to God on the basis of, of the perfect spotless righteousness of Christ alone. He needs to come and and change our hearts to make us new creations in Christ. And so that's that's obviously very much the opposite of what, <laughs> you know, the new age and, and the new apostolic reformation and the word of faith has to say to us. That's that's what's missing. Um, we know from Jeremiah, prophet Jeremiah, that the heart is deceitful above all things. So what do we need? We need a new heart. And that's what the prophets proclaimed um, would happen, you know, when when Jesus would come and, and bleed and die and be that suffering servant, as Isaiah 53 said, of course, we know that's in fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. And by the way, Jesus himself in Luke 24.27 interpreted all the things according to um, Scripture, which was the Old Testament. And so all of this points back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the apex, the goal, the climax of all of the Bible. Um, and so we, we need the Bible. We need, we need the Bible to know God. We need the Bible to know about Jesus. We need the Bible to expose these 
false teachings about um, the New Age, about Word of Faith, about the New Apostolic Reformation. And the Bible has something to say to us even about all of these things. In Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun, because Romans 1 very clearly says that we don't have to make this up. The default of our hearts is to to make idols, that we as the, the creature want to elevate ourselves above the creator. Well, there's only one creator. He's the one who made us. He's the one who sustains us. He's the one that governs and orders the cosmos by the word of his power. Um, he's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can satisfy. He's the only one who can hold us fast. He's the only one who will lead us safely home to heaven. And so um, in, in every way, Christ is truly sufficient. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and, and uh, put the reel up of Jesse Duplantis and uh, compare what he's saying to what you've written about in your new book, Contentment, Journey of a Lifetime, what ultimately what the Bible says. Doing fine. She said, I got some seafood soup for you. I said, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we got to eat some of Jody's seafood soup. That was a blessing of the Lord. See, that's all fable with a lot of flavor in it. This is something very simple. But if you call upon that, how do you get it all the time? How do you keep it all the time? Magnifying the Lord. Let me read it again. Let the Lord be... Continually let the Lord be magnified, not just because of what he's doing for you, just magnifying who he is. See, man's true well-being is prosperity. Write that down. Man and woman's true well-being is prosperity. That which is dark becomes light. You see, in other words, if, how many of you want to be debt free? You should be. I'm praying for you every day for it. You can be and not only be out of debt, but the amount of money that you had that you were in debt, have that in liquid finance, which means whatever your house is worth, whatever your car is worth, all of all the different things, you know, whatever, you know, that you meet your quote, uh, monthly financial bills and things of that nature. After a while, you just, you can have that plus the house. See, both debt-free and why? Because man's t- true well-being is prosperity. That- so notice what Jesse just said, that which is dark becomes light. Now, in the Bible, though, we see the opposite of this view. For example, in 1 John, uh, the Apostle John, he compared and contrasts uh, light with darkness. Those who are in the light, they belong to Jesus, whereas those who are in the dark, they don't belong to Jesus. Um, another example in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, of course, Romans 6.23, you know, again, all fallen short of the glory of God. This is why we need a savior. We, we were once in darkness, and now we're children of the light. Now, Jesus came, we know. He, he says in John's gospel that he's a light of the world. And so Jesus ca- came to bring light. He came to bring salvation to sinners. And he, G, uh, Luke's gospel even says that in Luke 19.10, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But what but what Jesse does here is he conflates the matter. He, he says that which was dark became light. Now, here's the thing, though. We, do, we should care about debt. We should care about money. In fact, Jesus talks uh, secondarily. The second most topic that he talks about uh, next to hell is money and stewardship. And so the book of Proverbs has much to say about debt as well. And so we should care about debt. I'm not saying that. But he is misapplying what he's saying. Um, we were once children of wrath, as Ephesians 2 tells us, and now 
by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, we're saved, as Ephesians 2.8 tells us, and many other passages. And so what, what Jesse is saying here is all wrong, and we need to call it out. And we need to understand that it's, it's not about financial security. Our greatest need is, as we already have talked about here today, our greatest need is for Christ, and Christ is always sufficient to save. Now, let's look further at uh, this particular clip that we're considering uh, from Jesse Duplantis. See, both debt-free and why? Because man's t true well-being is prosperity. That which is dark becomes light. You see, and when you understand that where the favor is, there's the flavor. Favor will produce in you thought. You'll begin to think like God. Word, you'll say only what his word says, and action. Favor will produce in you thought, word, and action. Well, how is that done? By peace, joy, and contentment in everything you do. So he just said about peace, joy, and contentment. No, notice how he... He's talking about that. So he's talked about light and darkness, and then he's now talking about peace, joy, and contentment. Contentment. Well, I think the Apostle Paul would like a, 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 a check, on, check, please, on aisle 10, you know, um, Alex, you know. So, but more seriously, we're talking about the Apostle Paul who experienced, you know, he was beaten within an inch of his life 39 times, he says, in 2 Corinthians 11, or 10 or 11, and he was shipwrecked. Of course, like I said, he was beaten. Um, and he says in Philippians 4 that he learned contentment. Um, we're talking about the Apostle Paul who wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. He learned contentment. Of course, we know from, you know, when he was converted, the Lord told him very clearly that he would suffer for his name, the name of Jesus. And he did. He suffered tremendously and he learned. But what Jesse wants us to believe is what the Apostle Paul learned is prosperity, wealth, how to be how to be happy through wealth. And that is completely the opposite of what Paul is talking oh. about in Philippians 4 um, and what Jesus talks about. I mean, Jesus talks about money um, and stewardship more than just about anybody in the New Testament, in the Bible. I mean, next to hell, it's like his stewardship is his second most, you know, topic that he addresses speaks to and here you have somebody like jesse talking about you know renewing your mind and and those things are good but it's it's more than just a mindset it's it's a disposition of the heart because we know genuine peace we know we know the lord we know his grace he's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness he's made us his we belong to him and and so like that positional peace we talked about at the opening in the practical peace that's being worked into our lives through the spirit that's totally the opposite of what jesse is talking about and what the what the apostle paul learned in philippians 4 uh through his life experience uh, which he lived and suffered um, for the honor and glory of god as uh, the lord promised that he would so um, this is really really dangerous and this mm -hmm. is why this is why you have to pay attention because he makes a he makes some biblical statements but then he makes the wrong application and that's where you always have to pay attention um you always have to pay attention and to understand and know this is what these things actually mean they mean something because god has a meaning god has given us a meaning to to understand this is what i mean and this is what i don't mean and what jesse is, is doing is he's not 
discharging his duty, his duty as a preacher of the word is to preach the word, as Paul said to Timothy. Um, the elders at Miletus in Acts 20 were commanded to preach the whole counsel of God. Um, the one thing, the one thing that a pastor is to do is to preach the word. And that's the one thing that Jesse is not doing. And that's the one thing that the word of faith teachers don't do. So we have to, we have to really pay attention. We have to be Bereans, as Paul said to, to um, by the way, these Bereans were sitting under the apostle Paul's preaching and still they were commended by Paul, this the, the great apostle, the great writer of many of these New Testament epistles. They were commended by Paul for searching the scriptures in Acts 17.11. And even the Thessalonians were commended for receiving the word with, with much eagerness and joy. Um, and so, but this this is totally the opposite. It's of, the opposite, yeah. 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 I mean, in the New Age, we were taught that it's always our fault if there's a problem. And the word of faith goes in there too, and even Christian science, which is a word of faith. It's if you're sick, it's your fault. And and so we were we were burdened that it was uh, we were in control of everything. And I always go to Second Corinthians one nine, where Paul talks about he thought he was going to die from all the suffering that you had mentioned the list of what he went through. And then he said this. He said he went through all that all those trials so that he could learn to trust and lean on God and not himself. And these word of faith teachers like Jesse Duplantis and all these false new age teachers, they want to make it us in control. And like we're the creator and that we can decree and declare to God, which is outrageous because God's in command. He's sovereign, not us. Yeah, absolutely. He's in control. I mean, you know, and that- he sends us tests and trials, and it's not a failure. I mean, of course, there are some things that happen because of our sin and our bad choices, absolutely. But a lot of times the problems we're going through are, are a season of trials and tests because God loves us. He prunes us as a part of his love. Yeah, exactly. And James 1, 2 through 3 tells us very clearly to consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And what is patience? Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, those things which the Spirit is aiming to produce in our lives through the Word. And so that's a good thing that what God is doing. And and so, you know, and who doesn't need to, you know, they say if you pray for patience, you know, you're, you're going to get a trial. Oh, and and so, so, yeah, don't be, be careful about asking the yeah. Lord to learn patience. Yeah, or, or don't pray to be humble because you'll get things that will humble you that are pretty painful too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and and these are all lessons. They're they're the the title of the book, lessons of a lifetime, because contentment is a journey. It's a journey of a lifetime. This we don't nobody. We're never going to arrive like a pilgrim's pro, Christian pilgrim's progress. We're never going to arrive at um, knowing all about contentment until we're fully like Jesus in heaven. You know that's why it's a journey in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of learning more about the Bible, discovering more about the Bible, learning about theology, it all has a goal. It's so that we'll become like Jesus. And, you know, that means that that means that we have to understand what the Bible says, what the Bible means, and then what what it doesn't mean, because otherwise, if you don't, you're going to be deceived by teachers like Jesse. And, mm-hmm. and the list, the list goes, I mean, Jesse is just, He's he's old school word of faith, right? And and so his teaching 
he's influencing other people, has influenced people for years and years and years, you know? Um, so it's, it's contentment is not a mi mindset. It's a disposition of the heart. Well, Dave, that, that brings up another question. How, how would you compare the biblical definition of contentment with the world's definition of happiness? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, I think I think what Solomon does is in Ecclesiastes three, he really compares that. You know, he here Solomon he asked for the one thing from God, wisdom. Well, what did what did he do with that gift? Well, we know what he did. He had hundreds, if not thousands, of concubines, wives. Not just one, but hundreds, thousands of wives. He had he had wealth. He had. Um, privilege, position. He had the world's leaders. We learn uh, in the in coming to him. He had it. He had it. He had position. He had privilege. He was still searching for happiness. He was searching for the meaning of life, and that's that's what Solomon, you know, is talking about there in, in Ecclesiastes three. That searching after the world and, and is all vanity. Searching after the world's definition of happiness it's all vanity and grasping for the wind as he says that's that's the world's happiness you know riches money pursue whatever you want um whereas with with paul in philippians 3 verse 9 he says he considered it all a loss compared to the you know knowing christ you know that's that's the comparison you have solomon rich had prestige reputation all of that to paul he was before he was saved. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, um, and then now in Christ, he considers it all a loss. He just wants to be motivated by the honor and glory of God, um, and so the world's happiness can never satisfy. But Paul was satisfied, and he knew the peace of God that passes all understanding, um, and he counted it an honor to suffer for Christ because of what Christ had done for him. Um, in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so Paul was willing to suffer whatever the cost that people might know Christ and and know um, what he has what he has done. And so what that what that really does, by the way, just really briefly to flesh that out, is it reorients our motivations. God, God by the Spirit in the new birth, he gives us new desires and affections. And these new desires and affections, they reorient our motivation from being about ourselves and building a kingdom to being instead about the honor and glory of God and advancing his gospel. You know, that that's what that's what our motivation even is to be when we talk about um, exposing false teachers. And and we pray for them. We we not only speak out against them, but we pray earnestly for their repentance. And we, we should desire them to repent because we love the Lord and we love one another. And so we pray earnestly, you know, um, before you and I do these recordings on false teachers, we, we pray that the Lord would not only open up the eyes and the ears of uh, people that are following the teachers, these teachers that we're talking about, but that, but that he would um, open up that teacher's eyes and ears. And that's a, that's an act of, um, honestly, loving the Lord and loving one another, um, that's the fuel and that's to be the motivation for everything that we do, uh, writing, speaking, whatever, uh, you know, raising your children, all of it. It's all to be mm -hmm. for the honor and glory of God, and that's what the gospel does. It reorients our ambition from being about ourselves to being about God and about the glory of God. Amen. Dave, why did you write 
this book, Contentment, Journey of a Lifetime? Because it's one of your more personal books. Yeah, you know, substance-wise, content-wise, this was um, not a hard book uh, for me to write. But it was hard in that as I wrote it, I realized how much I lacked contentment. Um, and that's always a hard thing. You know, when you look at Philippians 4 and you really dig in, you study it, it's not hard to understand. <laughs> but boy, is it convicting uh, when you when you start realizing, um, hey, I'm anxious. Um, I'm self-sufficient. And Paul talks about self-sufficiency. You know, when he talks about, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. It's his strength. It's not, and he counters, he's countering, of course, our human tendency towards trusting ourselves and our own ability. And so who doesn't struggle with anxiety or discouragement or anything like that? And, and instead, what Paul does is he says that we're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make a request to the Lord. And so um, the Lord really pressed these truths home um, in, a, in a time in, in my life, continues, I should say, to press home these truths in my life um, and, and apply these truths uh, in, in various situations in which I'm going through with, you know, my, my, from my dad's dementia to my mom's Alzheimer's to, you know, life and ministry every day. It's, it's, we have to take ourselves by the hand and remind ourselves of these of these truths so so all that to say i wrote this book i realized in in finishing it i really wrote this book for me there was nobody that needed this more than than i did but along the way i've also realized that um we all need this we all need to to realize and and to honestly assess how am i doing at this ask yourself how am i doing at the how am i doing walking out the truths that Paul is talking about in Philippians 4. Because in Ephesians 5, we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received. So we can ask ourselves, in light of that passage, how am I doing walking this out? How am I doing it? Uh, James, um, in James, it talks about how we're to not be hearers only, but doers of the word. How are we doing at this? In verse 9 of Philippians uh, four, he tells us to practice these things. These things are the things that he talks about uh, from verse four through eight. So how are we doing at these things? Paul's concerned with that. So in this way, what he's concerned with is our, how are we doing at taking and applying the truths that he's talking about? How are we doing it, um, applying this to um, our experience in our daily life? Because remember, this is a what he's talking about is the practical peace of God. So we can ask then, how am I doing at this? How am I doing it at in my daily life, in my work and life and and relationships, my marriage? Uh, you know, it gets it gets pretty convicting pretty fast, really, if you really think about it. And that's what Paul is doing with the Philippians, which by the way, he had Paul had a goal. You mentioned he was writing from prison, but he had a the theme of Philippians, by the way, is joy. So joy in the Lord. Um and joy only is possible because of Christ. Um, he this is so so important because we're to, Paul says in in uh, verse two, I think it's verse two of Philippians four. Um, he he tells us the reason for this whole section is because of what Christ has done. So um, we we just need to remember 
you know, what Christ has done. And this will help us to continue to learn and to um, discover more of these uh, truths that we're talking about today. And like I said, there was nobody that needed that more than I do. I needed the reminder. I needed the encouragement. I need even the conviction I, from the spirit. Um, I needed the, the help. And, and by the way, that also raises another thing. Um, you know, some, for some of us, we, we do need help. You know, we need, we need godly friends. We need people who will listen to us, pray for us and encourage us. Sometimes we might even need a biblical counselor, um, or a pastor come alongside of us. And that's not a sign of weakness. That's a real sign of maturity, um, that, that you would reach out. And, and it also shows humility and real spiritual growth. Um, so well, it's a wonderful book, and uh, again, the link is in the description below to buy a copy of Dave Jenkins' new book, Contentment, Journey of a Lifetime, and learning how to apply the biblical principles to your own life of contentment, no matter what season you're in, no matter what the circumstances that you're going through. That was one of the things that coming out of the New Age was just mind-blowing to me, Dave, was that uh, I... In the new age, as I said, whenever there'd be problems, we were taught to deny the fact that there was problems, never talk about them because that would be negative and you'd manifest and attract something else negative. So to to come into the freedom of Christianity, to be real and authentic and transparent with not only God as David is in the Psalms, but other people and share your burdens with them and then ask for prayer and then to still feel joy in the midst of suffering and not blame yourself for it. It's just a whole different world. Um, and, and your book, Contentment, Journey of a Lifetime, really brings that home, that this is not only possible, this is normal as someone who's in Christ, as someone who's born again, who's repented, given their life to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So I just want to thank you for your efforts in bringing through this book, um, Contentment, your wife, Sarah, who's a very content person. I love her so much. And she did the artwork, I think, for the cover. And Yes, some, yes, yeah. she did. Yeah, we, we, she kind of played off, <clears throat> she kind of played off the whole, you know, Pilgrim's Progress that, you know, the, the Christian life is a journey. And so mm -hmm. Christian and Pilgrim's Progress is going, of course, on a journey to the celestial city. And so the cover even picks up on that theme, which I talk about John Bunyan in the book. And so... Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a journey. It's a progress. It's a, it's a journey as like Christian was in Pilgrim's Progress. You know, we get distracted and we get off the, we get off the road, right? We all mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we, the Lord gently by his grace, he brings conviction and he brings other people like, like with Christian, he brought evangelists to speak the truth to him. And the Lord does that because he cares about us. He loves us. And, and so we shouldn't despise um, even the reason that the Lord would give us correction um, com that comes from his hand, discipline, as Hebrews uh, 12 talks about, um, is because he loves us. He loves us. He, he cares about us. And so even in whether it's conviction or, or the comfort or, or whatever, uh, it's a journey. It's a, it's a, it's a time to, to grow, to learn. And so whether you're going through a season where it seems like there's a lot um, that's happening. Um, you know, some people say, of course, we know that that God gives us more than we can handle. Well, you know, God will instead, actually, we should say God will give us more than we can handle so that we'll stop depending on ourselves. You know, and the Bible is concerned that we don't trust ourselves. Of course, we know what Proverbs 3, 5 says, 
that we're supposed to trust in the Lord and lean on his ways and, and acknowledge him. And that's what God is doing. So God will give you more than you can handle um, to expose your weakness and your frailty. And we know what Second Corinthians talks about because Second uh, Corinthians 12 talks about because Paul says that he would rather boast in, you know, in the grace of God. And uh, by the first Corinthians 15, 10, of course, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, it's not about us. It's about the grace of God. It's about what God has done, is doing in our lives. And that's, of course, the total opposite of the word of faith, the new apostolic reformation and what these false teachers want. Um, they want to line their pocketbooks and uh, fill their coffers and get more planes and airplanes and whatever else they want. And what God wants us is to have true and abiding and lasting peace and joy and hope that is, as the Heidelberg uh, Catechism says, um, our only comfort in life and death. Amen. Well, Dave, I really appreciate, again, your time talking about your new book, Contentment, Journey of a Lifetime, and for writing it. And I encourage those who are going through struggles and, uh, and questions about suffering in their life to pick up his book, because it really does offer a lot of comfort and answers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contending for the Word. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, and follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, or X. We appreciate your support.